If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful air of Shabbos to all of you, and what a Shabbos it is, Shabbos Bereshis. We start the Torah anew, although we already began on Simchat Torah, nonetheless... This is the formal way as we read it in shul, the entire portion, not only the first portion. We're going to bless the new month of Mar Cheshvon, a very special month, a month that might, in a sense, appear to be somewhat less joyous than we think, but it carries within it a tremendous, tremendous intensity and levels of blessing. It's a Shabbos that we have to celebrate levels of, well, joy. We just finished with the incredible Chagim of Shmini Yatzer at Simchat Torah, and I'm sure all of you are at shul celebrating, dancing, singing, joining in, creating a tremendous sense of ruach, excitement, a tremendous sense of unity. I can speak from my shul. For some reason this year it was it was extraordinary. It was magical. Everybody in shul was there on Simchat Torah night, huge crowd dancing and singing and fabranging and sitting with each other and chatting. It was a sight to behold. And I wonder why, why is it that I think this year the Chag was somewhat extraordinary? Yes, every single year Simchat Torah is a time of intense and wonderful joy. But something happened this year, and I think Perhaps it might be because the year past has been, well, not the easiest of years throughout the world. Confusion, difficulties, challenges. And I think people are looking to somehow express themselves with a tremendous sense of joy. People want joy. People want chavrishaft. People want a sense of community. And this is how it all happened this Yontif. I've spoken to a number of my colleagues, and they tell me the same thing. They were taken aback at the amount of people, the excitement, the atmosphere, people coming together. And this is why the Shabbos Bereshis, after such a wonderful Yontif, has to be very special as well. As mentioned before, even though we began reading the uh, portion, the new portion of Bereshit on Simchat Torah Day, nonetheless we only read the first portion. The entire portion is going to be read for the very first time tomorrow in Shul. And of course we end the Torah if you were in Shul on Simchat Torah, of course you heard the announcement of the Chatan Torah, the one who has the honor with whom the entire Torah is ended, concluded, and Chatan Bereshit, the individual who has the honor of the opening program. Begin and end, we continue the incredible cycle of development, cycle of purpose and cycle of creation. You know, very often people think life is this long road, a straight, long road that has some sort of, well, invisible beginning way back when and some distant ending, well, something we can't see. But the answer is no, it's a cycle. We go around, not in circles. Going around in circles is a total waste of time. It is a spiral. We begin each and every year, but we elevate ourselves as well. We finish, we conclude the Torah. We end with a tremendous expression of chazak, chazak, benitz chazek. 
strengthen ourselves, strengthen each other, take strength from Torah, recognize this is the source of life, this is the source of strength, and we do it with intense joy, and a moment later, a few moments later, we begin the Reshit in the beginning, the story of creation, the story of humankind, the story of development of the God's entire purpose here upon this earth. He is teaching us how we have to deal with life. And it's interesting. How do we deal with life? We hear those instructions on a day that we are obligated to sing and dance. We hear about the story of life. We hear about the instruction for life, the teaching, the guidance for life on a day that we have tremendous, tremendous joy. One might think in order to receive instructions how to live life in order to receive the words of Torah as a guide within our lives, as an indicator of how we must behave, morality, each and every single dimension of life enumerated in Torah. One would think that would be a somber moment, that would be a serious moment, but no. We begin Bereshit with this tremendous sense of joy and excitement and singing and dancing because it brings clarity. And as our sages tell us, there is no greater joy than clarity. Doubt, confusion, uncertainty, frustration, those are negative elements, and they cause a somewhat depressed state, a sad state. But clarity, the lights are on, the road is clear, we know where we're going, the word has been given, the instruction has been given, we know which way to go. There is no greater joy than that. And this is why this particular Parsha is so important because its name, of course, is Bereshit in the beginning, and the word in the beginning is something which brings to mind all sorts of elements of joy, the beginning, a start, a fresh start, to start anew. We begin this journey together once more. We open the Chumash, we open the Torah, we begin to read what it's all about. And this, of course, comes with a tremendous sense of joy. And this is important for us to understand that clarity, clarity, certainty, knowing which way to go, to wake up each, can you imagine waking up each and every single day, knowing full well what I have to do and how I have to do it. I don't wake up in a confused state. I say, Modaani, I thank God for returning my soul refreshed, and I know what Torah demands from me. My day is clear. Yes, we might have different vocations, different jobs, different responsibilities, but by and large, we have a tremendous commonality. The mitzvot that are enumerated in Torah, the mitzvot that guide us through the entire day, through the entire week, year, life. This is something which is, in fact, common to all of us. And this type of clarity, this type of certainty, is something which comes from a source of joy and brings a tremendous dimension of joy as well. This is why the Shabbos, please God, is so very important. Important for us to understand what, in fact, is taking place. We must listen carefully to the words that we are going to read in this Parsha. It's a long Parsha. It's a complicated Parsha. It's a Parsha that tells us all sorts of important facts and all sorts of interesting and sometimes troubling stories. Stories about the beginning of humankind, of Adam and Eve and their family, and the hopes they had, the mistakes they made, and how they continued 
in life and how generation after generation developed to a point where at the end of the Parsha we seem to be somewhat sad that God reconsiders if in fact this whole process of creation was worthwhile. And this is why this Parsha talks to us on so many different levels, but more of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about starting the Torah anew, we're talking about beginning, we're talking about, well, renewing our lives, rededicating our lives, we're talking about listening to the Parsha and understanding how it must influence every single detail of our lives. But before we get to that, a couple of words from the marketplace. Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper have these pocket-saving sweet deals just for you. Pick and Pay Kosher Chicken. Only seventy nine ninety nine per kilo. Pick and pay fish minced hake at a very low one hundred and twenty nine ninety nine per kilo. Fries Haddock is just twenty nine ninety nine. Fries chicken schnitzel for only thirty nine well, no ninety nine, just thirty nine. And pick and pay apple tart twenty centimeters only thirty two Rand each. Catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper and only while stocks last. These specials are exclusive at Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. We're talking about the idea of listening to Torah as a guide in life. Of course, Torah means hora'a, teaching, guidance, instruction, direction. And yet when we take a look at the opening portion of the Torah, what we're talking about is the story of creation. Bereshit, in the beginning, God created the world. Now, you've often heard me say that Judaism isn't so much a religion of faith as it is a religion of action. Mitzvot, God's commandments, God's instructions, God's directives of how we should live, 613 of them to be exact, 613 areas of life of how we must live our lives in order to fulfill our purpose here upon earth, in order to try and achieve a personal relationship with God, in order to fulfill our potential, we have to somehow extract from within the essence of our soul those incredible dimensions that we possess. And how do we do this? We do this through mitzvot. Each and every single mitzvah relates to a different organ, to a different part of the human condition, and it brings out the depth that each and every one of those parts possess. We have a brain, we have a heart, we have a liver, we have veins, we ha- well, we are a complex and wonderful combination of so many organs and veins and bones, and each and every one of them possesses tremendous, tremendous potential. How do we extract that? We extract it through the performance of mitzvot, and this is why I often say that Judaism is a religion of action, a religion of doing, a religion of fulfilling God's commandments, and not so much 
the idea. And yet, when we open up the parsha, what do we talk about? We talk about creation. We talk about God bringing the world into being. And the question is why? If, in fact, this instruction, as Rashi himself asks, why not begin with the first mitzvah, the mitzvah of the new moon that was given to the Jewish people while they were still, and well, not enslaved, but while they were still very much with in the condition of Mitzrayim of Egypt at the time of Moses. And perhaps one of the answers, there are many, they are complicated, they are important and should be studied, but perhaps one that we have to think about from time to time, what is creation all about? Now, as I've often said as well, one of the great tragedies, one of the great tragedies of the Jewish condition today is that we are so ignorant so many are so ignorant of Jewish knowledge and Jewish sources. We pick up our information wherever, magazines, newspaper, television articles, Internet, uh, well, and, and of course social media. And as people say so many times, you cannot distinguish. It's difficult to distinguish between what's real and what's fake. There is so much fake news. There is so much, well, basically lies out there about everything within life, telling us how to behave, manipulating our thoughts, manipulating our emotions, manipulating our actions, that we should behave in a particular sort of way for whatever reason. Either they want to sell a product or a libertinism, a breaking down of ethics and morality in this world, bringing about a situation of, well, spiritual chaos. We live in a world where information flows from all sides and and yet, the reason we cannot discern what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's, well, not so good, what is proper and what is improper, is because we don't know the facts from proper sources. And if we don't know our Jewish facts correctly, how can we possibly defend ourselves of the tremendous amount of information that batters our minds and hearts constantly, information that might well simply be a myth. And it's not only today. This was yesterday and the day before. When print, Whatever the case is, how do we know what's right and what's wrong, which philosophy is correct, which idea is correct, if we don't know our own sources? And once we do know our own sources and we understand them, we can have a healthy debate. We can have a conversation. Otherwise, we simply throw words at each other, and it means absolutely nothing because we haven't investigated. We haven't even truly investigated the words that are thrown at us, let alone our own sources. And this is something which is important for us to understand. It is important for us to understand that our facts have to be clear. Whatever those facts might be, we have to have the courage, the knowledge, the strength to either agree with something because it's correct and has been proven so, or to simply chuck it out and say, that is one absolutely big lie. Now, one of those areas which has created such confusion in the lives of Jewish people, in fact, in the lives of people throughout the world of so many different faiths and perhaps even non-faiths, is what happened in the 1800s, this, well, this ridiculous myth that was developed, it's called evolution. That somehow, in a random sort of way, the world came into being. Now, I think, I don't care if you tell me the world is one day old or a zillion years old, but if you tell me that randomly 
these things mutate into the perfect order of the world that we possess today, that has to be absolutely delusional. It cannot simply happen. You cannot tell me these magnificent mountains and valleys and streams and oceans and people, the world around us, this simply came about after all sorts of accidental, meaningless, random interactions between molecules and atoms. It simply doesn't make sense. And yet, this so-called theory of evolution has captured the minds of modern man to such a degree that he considers it to be an absolute fact. It is anything but a fact. It is a theory and a weak one at that. There are so many holes. In fact, you have to be a great believer to accept evolution because every time you come to a question that they cannot answer the evolutionary philosophers. I don't call them scientists, because a scientist is one who searches for truth. I call them philosophers, and perhaps, well, simply, well, airheads, because they sit around talking about ideas that have no basis whatsoever, in fact, 99% of the time. And if you mention the word creation, <gasps> there is a shock, a response of horror creation. Are you that old-fashioned? Are you that narrow-minded? You believe in creation, that there is some higher authority, there is a higher power that brought this into being? Are you absolutely off your rocker? This is the conversation of today. If you accept evolution, which is an absolute myth, you're a man of truth and science, and very much with it. If you talk about creation, you are strange, you are narrow-minded, you basically, well, are deranged. This is how the debate takes place. And yet, so many, many, many of us believe absolutely in creation, because only a higher authority, only God, could bring into being this incredible world. And not only the earth upon which we reside, but the entire, the entire universe, with all its mysteries, and with all its magic, and with all its greatness, and with all its vastness, interacting, working with each other. Yes, Difficult to accept at times. There has to be a leap of faith at the origin. But there has to be a leap of faith in anything. If you accept, if you accept evolution as a truth, that is a huge leap of faith. The only fundamental difference really is at the end of the day that one presupposes the existence of God. One presupposes that there was a divine plan into bringing this world into being. This is not random. This is not accidental. We're not just here because we happen to be here. God, creator of heaven and earth, bringing everything into being, had this incredible plan, not only for the entire universe, the entire creation, but for each and every one of us within that creation. We have a unique purpose, whereas the evolutionary thinkers, well, there is no God. And therefore, I could do whatever I darn well please. There is no purpose in the world. I create some sort of purpose. I create some sort of mythical social interaction. But there is no great absolute truth. This is not real. 
And this is why the Torah begins with the story of creation, to remind us that before we talk about the laws, you have to remember that there is a creator in the words of Abraham himself, who brought the idea of ethical monotheism into the world. Yesh balabayit libirazu, there is a master to this mansion. This thing cannot work on its own. This thing is not accidental. This thing is not random. There is purpose and there is divine purpose. And each and every single dimension of creation has unbelievable dimensions of depth, of insight, of purpose. And as we begin to study the story of creation, yes, we can simply translate the words. In the beginning, God created the world. There was darkness, there was chaos, and he brought order into the world, etc., etc., etc. But take the time to look at some of the commentaries. Find out who talks about these things. Find out if there are any lectures that speak about creation within your community and try to understand this story with its incredible depth, with its incredible insight, with its order, with its ideas, with its incredible dimension of purpose. We are being given divine insight into a divine plan the story of creation. And one of the great mistakes that people make is that we take existence, well, for granted. Existence always existed. There was always time. There was always space. No. Existence itself is a created thing. Time and space is a created thing. There was no ever, ever lasting time and space and world, etc., etc. God brought each and every one of those things into being. Existence itself is not a natural state. Existence is a miraculous expression of God's creation of this great world that he brought into being. And this is something that we have to understand, that we have to, well, study and restudy. Divine providence, God's relationship with each and every single molecule of creation that has a purpose. Each and every single time. Yeah, once upon a time it was difficult to even conceive these ideas. But with computers today, we know how much information, how much data can actually be collected and understood to a certain degree. This is why the story begins with creation, to remind us that there is a God who brought the world into being, there is a God who directs the world that he brought into being, and there is a God that demands from us a particular mode and code of behavior that enables this creation to be fulfilled in the fullest sense. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about God's creation. We're talking about this incredible, mystical, powerful, magnificent thing that he brought into being, time, space, existence. He brought this order into that which we are able to share in, in terms of doing what we have to do. And therefore, I think it is important for each and every one of you time and again and tell your friends they must make the time and take the opportunity of Torah study with the original sources. Listen to the Kabbalists. Listen to the masters of Hasidic. 
thought to bring you down these roads of incredible, majestic dimensions of knowledge, insights into godliness, insight into self, insight into the relationship between ourselves and God and all of creation, insights into relationship with each other, insights into insights into insights. I challenge anybody to study the opening words of Maimonides in his great book, Yalachal, to talk about anything but creation. He talks to us in a language which is so clear. And this is why it's sad that a state of such ignorance exists because we have the information we simply don't have. What we need to have is greater access for all of us to study more and more and more. Our teachers have to get out there and talk. Our rabbis have to get out there and talk and talk again and again and again. Not because it's repetitive and boring, because each word blossoms with tremendous light and beauty of God's incredible dimension. I ask you, if in fact it's so wonderful, if in fact it's so clear, how come so many people don't believe? Answer is simple. Some because, well, that's the way they were raised. They were raised by calling themselves agnostics. I often wonder what that word even means. It's a Greek term that, well, you know, I believe, I don't believe. But basically what it means is an excuse, an ex- a rationale of not believing in God. And once you remove God from the creation, you can do, you know what you can do? You can do anything. You can do anything you want. There is no accountability. There is no purpose to creation. You know, when people call themselves atheists, I laugh. In order to be an atheist, you have to be pretty darn well clever and well, well educated. Most atheists are absolute ignoramuses when it comes to, in fact, understanding at whatever level the idea of creation. This is the story that we read about soon after creation, the story of Adam and Eve and their great fall, Cain and Abel. What happened over there is that they somehow convinced themselves or... Others convinced them to a certain degree that God no longer matters. God no longer has any interest whatsoever, whether he brought the world into being or didn't bring the world into being. God is something which is distant. It is something which, well, it's way, way, way beyond any type of human comprehension and connection. And that, my friends, is in fact what sin is all about. Sin is removing accountability, and therefore you now have the license to behave in any which way that you darn please. Torah tells us again and again and again, don't kid yourself, that's not the way things work. There is a constant and ongoing relationship between creation what God brought into being, and he continues to direct each and every single detail. In fact, once you get to study these secrets of Torah, these magnificent secrets of Torah, you'll begin to understand the concept of constant creation as well. Everything is brought into being constantly because there is no, well, existence as such other than the existence that God brings into being. This is why this Parsha is so incredibly important. It's so incredibly important because it reminds us that there is a master to this mansion. This is not some sort of abandoned space where human beings can do whatever they want to do. No, no, no. You have to look for that which is within God's creation purpose. And this is why time and again, almost every single day, what does God say when he finished the work for that day, so to speak? And God saw that it was good. 
essentially, basically, God's creation is good. Yes, we look around the world, and sometimes we think to ourselves it's anything but good. But once we remove, well, the facade that hides the goodness within creation, we begin to see goodness, light, purpose, presence of God that we can interact, we have purpose, we have a space, we have a tremendous, tremendous ability to share in this great, great idea of creation. And this is why as we get to the end of the Parsha, it becomes sad because an entire world has forgotten where they came from, has forgotten that God brought them into being, has forgotten that creation has a purpose. And this is why God has to reconsider if in fact he wants this creation that he brought into being to continue or is he, well, going to put it to an end. This is the story that we read next week, the story of Noah, the great flood. The world almost did come to an end other than Noah and his family because God saw that they were individuals who looked for what was good in the world. If we wake up in the morning and we look for negativity, that's exactly what we're going to find. If we wake up in the morning and we look for goodness, we will find that as well, despite the headlines, despite the news, despite the garbage that flows into our hearts and minds constantly on those so-called smartphones that we possess and all the social media nonsense and all the myths and lies that exist on the Internet. If we take a moment at the start of the day and a moment during the day to stop for a moment and to reconsider our purpose, our relationship with God, what it means, what is the mitzvah that I have to, somehow life becomes very, very positive and very, very different and very, very exciting. Instead of simply sitting with Google eyes, looking at little screens to tell us What's real, what's not real, what's funny, what's sad. When we look at other sources, true sources, not manipulative sources, even Adam and Eve, they were taken in by the, well, the guile of the serpent who confused them, who led them down the path of, well, mismanagement, behaving in a way which brought about their expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Yes, there are many, many serpents out there, and we have to have the knowledge, the courage, the strength, the joy to reject that type of information and say no. God brought this world into being for a purpose, and that purpose includes me on every single level, and therefore I'm accountable. I have things that I can do and things that I cannot do, things I should do and things that I should not do. We begin the story anew as we start the year anew with, well, Parshat Bereshit, Shabbat Bereshit, this very special Shabbos. And when you are in shul tomorrow, take the time. Listen carefully to the stories. Listen carefully to the narrative of creation. Listen carefully in a personal sort of way. It's not something which happened once upon a time in some mythical state. It's real. It's current. It's present. It's happening to each and every one of us. It's happening to all of creation constantly. This is the message of the moment. This is the story that we have to understand that will guide us through life, and we will see the light and we will see the good. So when you're in shul tomorrow, again, you may have heard this story last year, 
But every year it carries with it a newness and excitement. Listen to the story of creation. Listen to the story of Adam and Eve. Listen to the story of Cain and Abel. Listen to what happened to the generations. Listen, listen, listen. Make it real. Make it your own. Make it something that will enable you and empower you to be part, in a responsible way, to be part of God's creation, the Chubbis.